0: well it is mother's day and we want to celebrate mothers and as you can see and i'm sure you've guessed i am not a mother (laughs) so in preparation for speaking this morning you know this is my my first mother's day message and i was mulling over what uh what that was going to look like Um, pastor paul is is away again this week Um, he'll be back next sunday which we're excited to have him back he's going to be launching into a new series called the dimming back all rested and on fire and ready to go so he's gonna hit the ground running next week as I was thinking about what I had to offer what I had to to talk about this morning you know I I couldn't help but think about my own mother and my mother's qualities that are very much God-given the abilities that she's been given the, the character that she has and, uh, you know, my, I'm from St. John, my mom lives in St. John, and so my, no one here would really know my mother, but if you knew her, you would see how um, incredible of a woman she is, how resilient she is. And She's quiet, but she is fierce. And, you know, um, growing up, I was not an easy child. I was not an easy teenager. I put my mother through a lot of stuff growing up, before I was a Christian. And, um, you know, the way that she exampled the heart of God in fighting for me is something that I will never forget, and I continuously see her doing that in my life. But as, as I was a teenager, the, the way that she never gave up on me, she continued to pray for me, she continued to fight for me. When I went off the, went off the rails, when I went off the tracks, and she would just consistently pull me back, and she would consistently contend for me. And you know, when, um, when I finally had kind of come to a place where I'd given my life to Jesus and things started to change, um, I still, can si- still saw my mother struggle um, with, my, with my sibling and, and it was just this continuous fight that I saw in this woman who just loved her children so much, who would do anything for them, who would fight for them and she continues to do that to this day. And, and you know, I was just thinking about the reality of that she's not an anomaly that mothers just have this intuitive ability to fight fiercely for their children and for the people that they love. They have just this this vigor about them, whether they're a quiet person or whether they're loud, whatever, there is just this fight that's within them for those that they love. And I know that that is given by God. And that is the heart of God for his people in the heart that we should also have for others around us and so this morning i want to uh hopefully praise mothers a little bit bring a little bit of encouragement to them but then have a word that's applicable to i believe all of us as well we're going to be looking at second kings chapter 4 this morning and uh, so you can turn there in your bible if you have it and we're going to have it on the screen as well and uh, we're going to read quite a few verses this morning, so I'm going to try to kind of condense the story a little bit, but we're going to be looking at the story of Elisha um, who raises uh, a woman's son from the dead. And so it's a, it's a pretty long story, so we're, we're not going to read all of it, but um, just to give a little bit of uh, setting the stage, I guess, for what's happening here before we start to read some verses, Elisha comes to this place called Shunem. Now, as he comes here, he meets a wealthy woman and her husband, and uh, they bring him in. They show him hospitality. They put him up for the night, and they feed him. They take care of him, and they kind of build this this relationship. And so the this woman tells Elisha that every time he's passing through town, to come and stay with them, and they'll and they'll show them hospitality. They'll put them up, and so much so that uh, eventually they just end up giving him his own room in the house. So they they're very successful obviously they're wealthy they probably get a big home that they can you know put the spare room in for the prophet elijah elisha every time he's passing through and so he's extremely grateful for this now one of the times when he's there he wants to bless this woman he wants to bless this family for all the hospitality that they've shown to him and so um this is where we're going to pick things up in verse 14 It says, later, Elisha asked Gehazi, who is Elisha's servant, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her, as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at, the, and at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. So, this woman, for whatever reason, she couldn't have a child. Uh, we don't really exactly know why. I mean, maybe we get a bit of an indication. She says that it says that the husband is, is older, and so maybe there are some complications there. But it's also clear that she has a desire to have a son, right? She has a desire to have children because. When Elisha prophesies this to her, says this to her, then she gets stirred up, she gets anxious, because she doesn't want to have hope and then to lose it. She wants this to be the real thing. She doesn't want to get her hopes up. And so we know that, and of course, you know this is a wealthy family, and if there's no child, there's not going to be a carrying on of the legacy of the family. So there's a lot going on here, and that was really important to families back then. So they really wanted a child. And sure enough, she gets pregnant and she has a child. So continuing on in verse 18 it says one day when her child was older he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters suddenly he cried out my head hurts my head hurts his father said to one of the servants carry him home to his mother so the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap but around noon time he died now you can imagine the pain and the confusion that she's experiencing at this time here's this gift from God that's clearly from God as the prophet Elisha had prophesied it and said it would happen and it did very clear that this child is given from God and now he's being taken away you can imagine the confusion that she's experiencing and this happens very suddenly And you know I'm sure there's many mothers in this room and And really, anybody that has got that phone call, they've got that diagnosis, they've got that report, they've got that call, suddenly, and it just comes upon you. You can imagine, and we've all felt this probably at some point or other, we feel helpless. What's happening? We start to ask all these questions. We begin to question ourselves. But the thing is, is that I find with mothers, with the beautiful ability that God has given mothers to have this fierce, contending, love, compassion for their children, the negative part that comes along with this is because they care so deeply, sometimes they can take the blame upon themselves for situations and circumstances. And as I was preparing this message this week, this part in particular really stuck out to me. It really stuck out to me in that I believe that there's people probably here in this room where a situation has happened your child maybe has made decisions they've gone through things maybe they've gotten in an accident they've got hurt something's happened to them they their life has just turned out in a way that you didn't expect it to and you start to question yourself you start to say what did I do wrong what did I do wrong And I felt so strongly on this, is that somebody has to know, or many people have to know, that in that, the blame is not on you. The blame is not on you. And I know for a fact my mother dealt with this. And all of the things that I went through, the things that my sister has gone through, that's been a constant thing that she has wrestled with. And I believe that probably many mothers have wrestled with this exact same thing. What did I do wrong? Let me just tell you this morning, the blame is not on you. And you know, maybe you've even had a child say to you specifically, it's your fault that I'm this way. I've said that to my parents, but let me also tell you this, that they don't actually believe that. That is coming from a place of hurt, from a place of brokenness, and they don't know how to express it, and therefore it comes out lashing back against you, blaming you, because they're trying to find somebody to blame. And I can say that with confidence, because I know once I began to heal, once God began to restore me, I began to realize that I never thought that. I never thought that it was my parents' fault that I made the decisions that I made. I began to see that they loved me so much that they cherished me, and though they were imperfect and and probably made mistakes along the way, it wasn't their fault. Mothers, it's not your fault. Don't carry that burden that you were never meant to carry. We are imperfect people, every single one of us. We're going to make mistakes. But life is complex. Life is complicated. The lives of our children are complicated. The things around us are complicated. You don't need to carry that weight. You don't need to carry that blame. In fact, I feel like I need to stop right now, and I just need to pray over that. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand if they feel like they're in that position this morning. But I just want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, if there are any mothers, parents at all here this morning where they feel like they are to blame, I pray in Jesus' name that you would heal them, that you would remind them that you've got them, God, and that you have their child in the palm of your hand. God, I pray peace over them. I pray hope and I pray courage to continue to fight for their child, knowing that it is not their fault, that things have happened the way that they have. Let your peace just fall upon them fresh this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. Carrying on in verse 21. It says she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today? He asked. It is neither a new moon festival or, nor a Sabbath, but she said, it will be all right. So her response here is interesting. The child has died. The husband's thinking, what's the rush? Why are you going to the man of God so fast? The child has died, but inside the mother was contending for their child. They, she saw the circumstances, she saw the reality that was before her, but regardless, she was gonna fight She was going to contend because that's what moms do. That's what grandmothers do. That's what parents do. They fight for their children. And we need to fight for each other. God has placed that inside of us as the body of Christ to fight for one another. And the husband, yeah, he just doesn't understand. But she's going for it. Verse 24 says, So she saddled the donkey and she said to the servant, Hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell down to the ground before him and caught hold of his foot. She was desperate. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone, she is deeply troubled. But the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. It wasn't good enough for the mother. It says, but the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. She was not settling. She wasn't, she was not dare. She was not going to just hope that the staff was going to be enough. She was ready to go to the ends of the earth for her child. She was ready to contend. She was ready to do whatever it takes. And you know, when there is a praying mother, I said this in the first service, when there's a praying mother, you better look out. I heard a, um, an evangelist one time tell this story about when his mom was praying for him and he, he was just testifying to that saying, if you have a praying mother or a praying grandmother, then you might as well just give up. Whatever it is that they're praying for, just like, just do whatever it is that they're praying for because God will get you. If they are praying for you, it's going to happen. So just." Just give up. You, might, you are going to save so much time, so much effort. Just, all right, mom. Okay. It's good. But this, that was her heart. She was going for it. There wasn't anything. She wasn't letting anything come in between of what God could possibly do in this moment. And the beautiful thing is that her desperation, it wasn't It wasn't hopeless it wasn't just this blind desperation where she was kind of just going mad she had hope she had hope that something could actually happen and see the the beautiful thing is is that she knew that God was reachable through the Prophet Elisha so if God was reachable then a miracle can happen if the Lord is near A miracle can happen and I love the verses in Philippians 4 we go to this all the time when we talk about prayer it says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and pleading with Thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus And you know sometimes we read that and think the first part of it do not be anxious Like that's a hard thing to do. Like, thanks, Paul. Great advice. I don't want to be anxious. You're telling me, just do not be anxious, but pray. And that's very true. But we forget what comes right before verse 6. The thing right before verse 6 says, the Lord is near. Therefore do not be anxious, but by prayer bring your request to God. That is such a crucial part of this puzzle, of these verses. The Lord is near and what she realized in this moment was that the Lord was near through the prophet Elisha and so she was going to run she was going to contend she was not going to stop until God came and did the thing that she was asking the most incredible miracle that we can even talk about someone being raised from the dead but she believed her desperation was not hopeless and in all of our situations. We need to understand that our greatest weapon is prayer for every situation for every life for every person that we're praying for prayer is our greatest weapon the lord is near so as you can imagine the story carries on i'm not going to read the rest of it but you get the picture you know what happened they go back and first they try to lay the staff on the child It doesn't work so Elisha goes up into the room and he lays on the boy and the boy comes back to life we know that that's the end of the story and this is her response in the last verse it says she fell at his feet and bowed before him overwhelmed with gratitude then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs she was desperate she contended There wasn't anything that was going to get in her way. Now, I'm not here this morning to say that every story is going to play out exactly like this. But it always goes back to the reality of the fact that the Lord is near. And what I also love about Philippians 4 and those verses, the end of it says that the the result is peace. There are so many things that we're praying for and and we can't begin to know how it's all going to play out. We don't see the future. We don't know what things are going to happen. We don't have control over other people, but we know that when we come in prayer that God does promise that peace will come as a result. And so let me encourage you this morning, if you are praying for somebody, if you are praying about a situation and you don't see things happening, remember, do not stop praying because at the very least, and this isn't a least, but there's peace when we pray. That's his promise to us. And through this, I believe that we just see God's heart for people. We remember the words of Jesus as he told the parable about the lost sheep that says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? That's the heart of God. That's the heart of a mother. But that should be the heart of all of us. People matter. People matter. And we as the church, if we are not fighting for people, who's going to fight for people? Not with any alternative um, agenda or anything other than just knowing that God loves people. And we should have the same heart. Over this last little while, for whatever reason in my own life, prayer has been a bit of a challenge and um, I don't know what I would do without prayer but for whatever reason this has been a season where praying has just been harder than other times and you know maybe some people can relate with this but there's a couple different responses we can have when we come into a place like this is we can either just say "Oh, I'll just ride this wave and hopefully it'll get better at some point or we can realize that prayer is so important to our life and we need to fight to be able to pray we need to contend to be able to contend because without it we have no life and we can't see things happen in the same way in the kingdom without prayer and so for me this message has even been challenging just to get back to that place to get back to that place of intercession to pray for people to pray for circumstances if I can't pray for my family every day then then what does that say about what's in my heart? And, and, I'm not, and I'm not trying to heap any condemnation on anyone that's maybe in the same, but like I'm just being vulnerable and honest here because I, I don't pray for my family every day. I wish I did and I need to, and I recognize that I need to. But there's power in prayer because the reality is is that that we can't convince people into the kingdom of God. We can't argue people into the kingdom of God. But I believe that we can pray people into the kingdom of God because it's not our words. It's not our things that we say to try to convince people because the Bible says that nobody comes to the Father unless it's the Spirit that draws them. And so we need to go to the source. We need to go to God himself and it's his desire and so we Go to God and we contend and we pray and we believe for His will to be done in the lives of our loved ones. The uh, very famous evangelist, D.L. Moody, he uh, was an incredible man of God, won so many souls, just had an incredible ministry. Probably one of the most famous and successful evangelists in the last however many hundred years. But he would carry around a list with him all times of a list of names of 100 people these are people that he knew his friends his loved ones whatever and he was praying for their salvation he would pray every day pray every day pray every day for these people and you know at the end of his life when he died 96 of those people had given their life to jesus 96 96 percent success rate is pretty good but the incredible thing beyond that is that at his funeral At his funeral, the four remaining people gave their lives to Jesus. And it wasn't an argument that made any of that happen. It wasn't any human programming or human ability. It wasn't any fancy church. It wasn't any of that stuff. It was a man who consecrated himself before God to have a heart for people around him to pray and to pray and to pray without ceasing. And as a result, a hundred people that he loved he'll see in the kingdom of heaven like when I get talking about this stuff I just get so convicted because we know this stuff we know that this is true and yet so often our lives do not actually show that we believe it myself included it's so easy to be distracted it's so easy to just do our thing when people around us are hurting and broken and there are so many needs sometimes we get overwhelmed with all of the stuff around us and all the situations and and as a pastor i find this a challenge in my own life of of how to navigate just the sheer amount of people to try to minister to to try to walk with it's it is overwhelming sometimes and that's also why prayer is our best weapon because we might not have this the time in the day to meet with 50 people every single day but we can lift them before jesus we can pray for them We can do that without leaving our house. We can do that in our pajamas. (laughs) Praise God. And yet sometimes it's so hard. Friends, we need to get desperate in prayer. We need to get desperate in the same way that a mother will fight for her children. We need to fight for the people around us. Back when COVID uh, had first started, um, everyone was in lockdown. And so we were trying to find, you know, new ways to... Do things that was quite the time but one thing that we had started to do and there's probably lots of people in this room that took part in this but every weekend we started to do a 24-hour intercession 24 hours of prayer Uh, we did it on zoom and so basically you would sign up for an hour slot and you would pray for that hour and then the next person would pray for the hour and we would do I don't know how many weekends we did that but we did it for a long time and we were praying specifically for souls we were praying for young people specifically And, you know, in all of the amazing things that God has done in the young adult community in our church and and in our community, I 100% believe that so much of that is because of that intercession time. Because the people of God sat in their homes, middle of the night, early in the morning, middle of the afternoon, and just prayed consistently without relenting and believing. And God has done incredible things Response. As I wrap up this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team to come. But I have a few things of response that I want to summarize with of what we've covered so far. And one that is, if you're a mother, if you're a parent, if you're anybody, that you have just believing God to work in the life of a loved one, and you haven't seen it happened yet I want to encourage you to just keep contending keep praying don't give up keep fighting even when it seems like you don't see anything happening just keep fighting And if you're here this morning and you're maybe like me in the sense of prayer has been a challenge over the last little while My prayer for you is that this morning you would make that fresh commitment to fight for your prayer life so that you can fight for other people in prayer. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.